Hey, well, good morning and welcome to a brand new series called Plot Twist. We're glad you're here today. Man, I love, love, love the worship today. That was a lot of powerful voices on one stage this morning. I'm so thankful for the worship that comes out of this house. I'm so thankful for our team that gets here early and leads us in worship. Hey, last month was one of my favorite months. If you could bring this down just a little bit, Jonathan. Last month's, last month's series, Church in the Wild, was probably one of my favorite series of all the series that we've done. And one of the reasons why it probably was because you guys did so much outside of the four walls in that series. Usually we come into the four walls, we motivate and we encourage and we inspire and we want God to change us on the inside. But I believe this, if God changes on the inside, then he should also, our, out, our outside should look different. Like the Bible says, God wants your heart and if he has your heart, then your actions will follow. And so we believe that as a church. That was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite series. Hey, you guys did so much last week. You guys gave away thousands and thousands and thousands of meals and you guys help homeless people and you guys help in Tanzania and, and, and World Hope and, and Africa and Kenya. I mean, you guys were all over the place and you never ever had to leave the comfort of your church. Come on, I'm so thankful for you guys. And hey, last week something really big happened for us. Last week, um, as a pastor, I always count because I think numbers, they matter because numbers matter to God because every number is a story and every story has a name behind it and every name matters to God. And so last week we celebrated, we broke the 100 mark on baptism. I'm so thankful. Can we put our hands together for all that God is doing inside of our church? Last month was one of our greatest months of generosity. And this month, in just a few weeks, September the 20th, I'm a gifts guy. I told you guys know that. And so when it's my birthday, when my birthday is in July, like I give you like five, five weeks of heads up because I want everybody to know, like, it's my birthday. But I'll tell you, I'm really excited. One of my favorite birthdays of all time is this church's birthday, our church, your church, my church, our church's birthday. September the 20th will mark the, the fifth year of this church being in existence, and we're so thankful for that. We're really excited about the last five years, but we're anticipating what God is going to do in the next five years. And so we'll have some special guests in with us um, on that Sunday, and uh, we'll have all the partying outside that we normally do on a birthday, and we will make sure that we have gifts for all of you guys. While I like receiving gifts, I think I like giving them, giving them even more. And so um, we're glad you're here today. Um, if, you're, if you're new today, you're welcomed here. And there's a spot for you at the table with us. You can come do life with us. Um, groups have started, and they, they're, a lot of the ones that are meeting in person in homes, a lot of them are filled and they're about to be locked. And, um, but you can jump in a virtual group. There's three virtual groups. There's Financial Peace University virtual group, and you can hop in that one. I have a virtual group. It actually starts tomorrow night on a holiday. Come on. You know you love Jesus if you're going to hop in a group on a holiday. And so that's tomorrow night. And then uh, Nelson uh, is doing one called Foundations, and that class is growing as well. If you're, and I want to plug that group one more time. Or actually, I'll plug it as many times as I want to plug it. Um, but I just know that that group is a really, really, it's going to be a really, really awesome group. And here's why. Because a lot of you guys, you've given your life to Christ. We've had hundreds of people give their life to Christ at Hope Church. And some of you guys have raised your hand. Some of you guys have said, hey, Pastor West, I gave my life to Christ. Some of you have given your life to Christ. And you're like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not going to tell anyone. But you've given your life to Christ. And you've got questions. And the good news is that we know someone who has answers. It's not Nelson. It's the Bible. And uh, he knows the Bible. And so he can introduce you to the questions that you're asking. Some of you guys have questions you're not asking because you don't even know how to ask those questions. Nelson's going to take his 
many, many, many years of salvation and many, many years of Bible study and unpack that for you. So if you've not been, and if you're, if you're new to faith or you still have questions, maybe you've been saved a long time and you still have questions and, and you're not sure about salvation, you're not sure about baptism or what it means to, to follow Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross. If you have any questions, you want to you wanna go to that class. And so you can sign up for all those if you're watching online, hopewintergarden.com. Uh, click, on, click on groups and you can sign up for that group. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today called Plot Twist. A brand new series today called Plot, tw Plot Twist. We know that today, a lot of you guys, you, when you watch movies, you like a good plot, plot twist. It's a, it's a tongue twister. I didn't know it was a, a tongue twister like it was going to be. I was so excited about it. I was ready to preach it. But now that I'm saying it really fast, like, man, it's, it's a tongue twister. So a lot of you guys, when you, you watch a movie, you like the, there to be a twist in the plot. It makes it easier for me to say it. There's a twist in the plot. And you, you like that because it, it re-engages you again. It's like at the very end of the message when I tell you guys, hey, I want to share with you just a few things. It re-engages you. And with a, with a, when there's a plot twist in a movie, you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And if you didn't see it coming, it makes you want to watch it even longer. And so you watch it longer. And then if you're watching long enough, another plot twist will happen. And you're like, oh my goodness, Diane and I, one thing about us, we do not agree on anything on Netflix, do we? Is that fair to say? But I'm trying to be a better husband. So I will watch, and, and this is just, the, this is the, to boil it down, just really, really granular. Like, she likes to watch fake stuff. I'm just so real and authentic that I just like real things. And she thinks all the stuff I like, we just like two different things. But we've been watching these shows, and, and what, happens, um, what happens inevitably is we'll watch a show together, and I'll think we're watching it together. And typically what happens is she, she binge watches better than I do. And uh, she does her best work while I'm asleep. You know what I'm saying? So I'll go to bed at night and she'll be binge watching. She's like, oh, you got to catch up. And I'm like, spare me. And I don't get offended. I know a lot of guys, they get offended. I don't get offended. I'm like, cool, just tell me. She's like, no, you need to watch. I'm like, no, I don't want to lose my, I don't want to lose any more time in my life. Just tell me the long version of what you want to tell me. And I'll watch. So we, 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 we finished um, a, a series just a couple of days ago. And we started another one. And we're watching this show. And she goes, I bet they did that. She's always catching the plot twist. It's miserable actually to watch a movie with her. Oh, I bet I, I, bet I know what happened. I'm like, go ahead and tell me. Said nobody ever. <laughs> and I'm not that guy. If you saw a movie today, I guess no new movies. But if you saw a new movie, you can come up and you can tell me everything about the movie. I only like two kinds of movies. Disney princesses and chick flicks. Like those are my only two movies that I like to watch. And so there is a show, there is a channel where there are no plot twists. That no, they're never, they never stomp anybody, and it's a channel called the Hallmark Channel. No one, there's, there are no plot twists. The girl moves to a town, there's only one good-looking successful dude in that town. Why wouldn't she marry that guy? Why wouldn't she leave the hustle and bustle of New York City or L.A. or wherever she's coming to? Why wouldn't she come and just enjoy just the quiet, peaceful serenity? That just makes sense. There are no plot twists in Hallmark movies, but I would like to read to you a pastor's scripture today. Uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to study the life of a man named Joseph, and his life is one big plot twist. And if you haven't quite gasped, if you haven't quite grasped the idea of plot twist, I, I want to help you a little bit. We opened up, here's a, here's a plot twist for you. We finished last year, we finished last year, 2019, and we were super excited for 2020, and we got into 2020, we were like, plot twist. <laughs> I did not, no one saw this coming. 
I preached a message yesterday for a live stream video for a seminar for a conference that's coming up in a few weeks for, for a group of pastors. And I thought to myself, who knows what could happen between now of me, me recording this in my living room on my couch and when they actually air this video. I thought the same thing in the whole entire, this whole entire pandemic. I would, I would shoot messages, on, I would drive to Tampa, I would preach a message, and I thought to myself, who knows what could happen between Tuesday and Sunday. This message may not even work five days from now, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he always knew, and he always worked out. But Joseph's life was one big plot twist. Maybe you've had some financial plot twist, and things were going good, and then a hard left happened, or maybe you had relational plot twist. You were, things were going really, really good, and then something happened, or Maybe you thought it was too good to be true, and so you jumped out, or whatever it is that you hopped into, or maybe spiritually you were doing super good, or there are some of you guys in here today, you, you, there are some of you in here today, you've been so far from God for a long time, and the only reason why you're back close to God is because of COVID-19. Praise God for it. I'm so thankful, for, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of you guys are the reasons why I'm thankful for COVID-19. It brought you back to church, because you can watch it at your house. You're like, I might as well go to the building now. And now you're here at the building, and you're serving, and you're giving, and you're in groups, and you're in relationships, and, and you're doing all the things that God has called you to do to be more like God. And so you've gone through all of these, all these plot twists, and Joseph's life was one big plot twist. Now, i got to get reading because i got a lot of scripture for you to read today. And there's a song out that I, I've been listening to um, from Hillsong Young and Free, and it's called Best Friends. And it says, that the, the song, the lyrics in the song says this, we're tired of all the fake stuff, we want the truth. And I, and I just, I've resonated so much with the song because I'm tired of all the fake stuff and I want the truth. And the only place that there's truth is in this book. You won't find it on social media, you won't find it on whatever, whatever, whatever news channel that you like to watch, whatever, whether you're right or left or in between or, or none of the above, there's truth and it's in this book. And so I would like to read a lot of truth to you today. Genesis chapter 37. Buckle up. Here we go. Verse 2. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph, our, ma our main character for the next three weeks, Joseph, <clears throat> was 17 years old, he, he tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhau and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his father, that, that his brothers were doing. In my notes, I wrote down the word favor. This guy, Joseph's favor, the favor of God was all on Joseph's life. Let me continue to show you that. Verse 3 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. So moms that tell me that parents don't have a favorite child, it's okay because the Bible records there's a guy in the Bible who has a favorite child. And I heard a guy say recently, every parent has a favorite child. It's whatever child they're with at that moment. And then they get the next kid and that's their that's their favorite child. I have four favorite children, and two are, I mean, they're in here today, three of them are in here today. Two are not paying attention. The one that's paying attention, she could be my favorite for right now. And I've got one, praise God, he's only nine years old. He's, he's serving somewhere. I'm so thankful for that, and love, love, love that my kids want to serve. And none of them want to listen to me preach, honestly. So I, I kind of get excited about them serving, but they're tired of hearing me talk, Christina. Can you relate a little bit, Christina? They're like, they're not listening to me. Like, we want to go serve. And I'm like, why? We, we, it's not because they love Jesus. It's because they don't want to hear me talk anymore. The Bible says, we don't have enough time to talk about all my side stories. So Jacob, Jacob has favor all throughout, all throughout his life up until this point. Verse 3 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, favor. But his brothers 
hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. I, I could preach a message on forgiveness right here. I could just stop right there and park. But I hope there's people in your life that you can say a kind word to. And if there's people in your life that you can't say a kind word, that you need to not pray for them. You need to pray for you. You're like, oh, I don't like that. That hurt. <laughs> You're like, just keep reading the Bible, Pastor. <laughs> we should be able to speak a kind word. At least one. Good morning. Have a good day. You know, just a, you don't got to say a lot of things. But he says, so he says, they don't have one good word to say about Joseph. Probably because they were, they were jealous. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about the dream, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream. He said to him, we were out in this field. We were tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all, get, all gathered around and they bowed low before me. Favor. Like, of course they don't like the dream. Hey, y'all are going to worship me one day. Now, you got to come for the next few weeks because there's a lot in this dream. We're going to unpack that in, in, in two weeks. And I flew over this. We're going to talk about a pit today because Joseph spent some time in a pit. And not only does he spend some time in a pit, we're going to see next week that he spent some time in prison. And not only spent some time in prison, but he spent some time in a palace. And when he's in the palace, this dream is going to come true. But today we're going to talk about, today we're going to talk about the pit. And we're going to get to that in just a second because we all know that pit, it happens. Pit happens. Verse 7 says, we were out in the field, we were tying up bundles and you guys all bowed down to me. Verse 8, his brothers responded, so you think you'll be king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated it. They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about him. This guy's always dreaming and God's always showing him things. And he has favor from the dad. I and mean, this guy's favor all over his life. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, they bowed low before me. Like, dude, we're sick of you. This time he told, him the, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? They will in the palace. We're going to see that in two weeks. Spoiler alert. Verse 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Well, Joseph didn't know what the dream meant, but God knew. God knew. The one that gave Joseph the dream, he knew what it meant. Verse 12. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture, their father's flock, pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob, uh, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. No email, no social media, no text messages. So he had to send a person, old school, old school. Sons and daughters in here, telling your parents, say, hey, go check that for me. It's, that's old school. Like, you don't know about that old school. Like, go get that for me. My dad used to say, my, there, there's six of us. And my dad said, I had six kids because I knew I was going to lose the remote control at some point in my marriage. So he used us as remote controls. My dad sometimes would come to the front door and yell out to us, Bubba. They call me Bubba. Bubba. Or he would call one of the other kids. Like, yeah, dad, you okay? He's like, I need you to come change the channel for me. I'm like, you stinking got up. Like, you couldn't have just went and pushed the button. He sends them out there to go find out what is going on with the, with, their, with the sheep. He says, go see how your brothers and flocks are getting along, Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. Verse 15, when he arrived, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he said. I'm looking for my brothers. Joseph replied, do you know 
where they are pasturing their sheep. Yes, the man, the, the man told him, they have, they have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan, and he found them right there. Verse 18, here comes the plot twist. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in a distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. They recognized him in the distance. Why? Because he had that ridiculously looking coat on. Like, they're like, here comes flashy guy, you know? Like, that was like Metro before Metro was a thing. Like, this guy had all the colors on. Like, and it was big enough for him to grow into. Like, he had this colorful, like, now if you wear pink, I see some guys in here looking, with pink looking good, like real men wear pink or light blue. Like, that wasn't cool. Back, that, like, that was back because of Joseph. Like, the guy has this, and they see, they see Joseph coming from a long way. Come on, let's kill him. Plot twist. And let's throw him to one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, which would have been, which would have been easily believable. Then we'll see what happens of his dreams. Verse 21. When Reuben heard of this scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. There's always one brother or sister who wants to bail out one of the other siblings. Last night we went out to dinner after we set up, we set up church, and my daughter knocked her, her, her hanging loose tooth out. Finally it's gone. I'm so glad it's gone. She was so worried about it. I think she was really worried about it. She thought it was gone. It was gone to her. It was gone. And the, oh, my Hope, my older daughter, she found this tooth and came to her rescue. Now, my nine-year-old who's serving in nursery because he doesn't love the Lord, but because he doesn't want to hear me preach anymore, he, he comes and checks on her. Hey, are you okay? He's just, he's always like, he's, this, he's, like the, he's got the tender heart out of all, all four of my kids. And, um, and we see him, he comes, he, this one brother says, hey, guys, let's not, let's not, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph to return him to his father. What a cool brother. Like, you need a brother who's going to rescue you. Verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and they threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty there. There was no water in it, thank God. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Plot twist. Verse 26. Judah said to his brothers, that will, that, what, will, what will we gain by killing our brother? We have to cover up the crime. Verse 27. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers are grieved. So when the Ishmaelite, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, plot twist, and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. We're going to see him in Egypt again. Some of the time later, Reuben returned to Joseph, returned to get Joseph out of the cistern, when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped, his, dipped Joseph's robe in the blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? I love how they said, doesn't it? Doesn't, they didn't say, doesn't this robe belong to your brother? They said, doesn't this belong to your your favorite son, the one with favor. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, 
dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. Verse 35, his family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son. He would say, and then he would weep. Verse 36, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt when they sold Joseph to the to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. We're going to see him in prison next week. Man, that was a lot of scripture. We see Joseph in this story with all kinds of favor. Things are going good for him. He's got a good job. He's successful. He's making money. 2020 hasn't killed him. Like he's doing pretty good. And then along comes his brother and all heck breaks loose. They take him, they plot twist, they throw him in this cistern. There was no water. He should have drowned in that cistern, but he didn't. They leave him there and they think, oh, we're going to do something better. We're going to sell him away. We're never ever going to see them again. But the plot thickens and thickens and thickens. I wrote down in my notes today, and this is what I want to talk to you about today. Sometimes things happen to you and I that we didn't choose. Sometimes things happen to you and I that we don't we don't choose. And that's what we see with Joseph. Joseph didn't pick the favor, but he also didn't pick the pit. Like he didn't, he didn't ask to be disliked. He didn't ask to be like, he was just doing the right thing because it was the right thing. And that's what we all should do. And when we do the right thing, I, want, I, want, I, don't, I don't want to unpack all this to you, for you today, but sometimes favor may look a certain way to somebody else, but it may look completely different to somebody, to, to another person. So we see his life, like, man, some of you guys have asked the question, man, why do, why, do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? We have a story in the Bible of a guy who's doing the right thing. He's a good guy. He's being faithful. He's serving his dad. He's, he's doing the right thing. And then we see him be taken and something happened to him that he didn't choose. It happens. It happened in the Bible. Here's a good answer for your question. Why do bad things happen to good people? It happens in the Bible. Here's another answer for your question. There are no good people. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, my wife has told all my kids throughout the age now, parenting, here's some good advice to you. When your kids say it's not fair, I don't know if this started about 3, 4, 5, or 6, but we say it every, almost every day. When my kids say it's not fair, we always say them this, life's not fair. Well, I don't deserve this. And my wife says, you're right, you don't deserve it. You know what you deserve? Five and six-year-old kids, you deserve hell. Man, that's a, that's a low blow. You're like, ugh, that's what we all deserve. Because none of us are good. No, not one. We don't have, we're, we're not righteous apart from God. So when we have Christ as our Savior, then things change and we have a relationship with Jesus. But we find ourselves in this story, and maybe you find yourself also in this story being in the pit. I want to encourage you to that the pit is part of the process. The pit is part of the process. If you're going to be successful, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine today. I said, man, I saw you and your wife. You guys, you guys drove two cars to church Last week, I'm like, you know you're fighting when you drive two cars to church. You know what I'm saying? When you live together, and, he, I, and I didn't say that to him. But he goes, no, I just, I had to go straight to work. And we think sometimes we see people like, oh, man, they're so, they're so successful. Or they have this going for them, and they have this going for them. But we don't see them working overnight, late at night. Or we see people up here and say, man I, would, man, I would love to be a pastor. You guys only work on Sundays. None of you guys see my Monday through Saturday. <laughs> it's easy to be here on Sunday and be like, oh, man, we love you, Pastor West. We love you, Pastor West. We love you, Pastor West. But it's also... The emails of, hey, we don't like you anymore, Pastor West. We did love you. We love you, we love you, love you, love you, Pastor West. But then we don't. But I've learned in my season here at this church in my life that the pit is part of the process. I've been there before. 
I went there this week. We do so many things. We do so much. We give away so much generosity. I spent some time with our trustees this week, and we do so many things. But one of the things that we did that I didn't even tell you guys did, but we started sponsoring a girl named Rahel um, in, in, in Ethiopia. We all started doing that. And um, we, we helped her, and she, they, they, they helped these little kids that were born, and they're premature, and they're barely going to make it. This girl had a, a cleft palate. I mean, she just had a lot of complications. So we started sponsoring her. And we sponsor her. And I got an email this week that she made it about three months, and she, she's gone now. And I thought that immediately sent me to, that immediately sent me to the pit. I was so discouraged. It's so easy, it's easy to get discouraged. I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't cause the problem to Rahel, but I find myself, found myself in the pit. Discouragement. The pit of frustration. Maybe some of you guys, you've been in the pit of, of anger. Maybe some of you guys have been in the pit of, of unforgiveness. I want to encourage you today. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, confess that today. You don't got to be best friends. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Alma. And we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're, we're family um, by, by a marriage. And I love her. But if I, if, I, if, I have a, if I have unforgiveness in my heart for Alma, I can't love and serve everybody else if I have that thing wrong between her and I. God can't use me in an incredible way if I have this bitterness in my heart or the unforgiveness in my heart or the unresolved issue. Now, once we make that right, we may not hang out anymore. She may not bring me coffee anymore. I chugged that coffee today. But she may not do that anymore, but I realize I have to have things right in my heart with her. I have to have things right in my heart. I have tough conversations with some of you guys here today. I'm laughing because I have tough conversations. And I, I want to have those with you because I want to help you get better. And people have tough conversations with me because they want me to get, they want me to get better. The pit is part of the process. If you're in the pit today, I want to give you two things I think that will help you. Here's the first one. Don't sit in the pit. You won't be there forever. Don't sit in the pit. You're not going to be there forever. I know some people that have, sit, uh, that have sat down in the pit because they thought, this is my destiny. This is my life. My divorce is going to keep me in this pit forever. My financial despair is going to keep me in this pit forever. I meet people that have gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of debt. You know, and the ones that I meet with, once they get close to me, they say, I'm going to get out of this army. I'm like, yeah, you are. You're going to get out of that debt. And I get so excited for them. I remember for us, the first five years of marriage, we just walked right into debt. <laughs> we looked good. We were in debt. I was paying more for jeans than I should. I bought a pair of $50 jeans, but by the time the credit caught it to me, they were about $300. I wish they were true religion and for 300 bucks they were $50 gap jeans. But that credit, I had to have them because I had to look good in front of other people. And so for five years we walked into debt and then we realized we got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come on, somebody. And the next five years we rolled out of debt. And after we got out of debt, we had some money. We needed that money because we were starting a church. We're not going to stay in the pit forever. You don't have to stay in the pit forever. I don't know what your pit is today. You, you, it's, not, it's not permanent. Your pit's not permanent. If you're watching online today, some of y'all are watching online today. It's easy to be confident on the screen. You know those guys that are they're really confident on social media, but you get in the room with them like, I can't even talk to you. Some of you guys watching today, your pit's become your couch. You just got used to sitting there. And it's just, you, you've got, you, you've got complacent become your pit. Don't sit in the pit. You won't be there forever. Here's the second thing. Don't stay in the pit. Don't stay in the pit. God made a way out. I, I love that song, Waymaker. And uh, what, I, what, I, what I always tell Gabe is, and, and sometimes there's some churches that they, the pastor gives all the messages to the band and the worship band has to come and bring all these worship songs so they match. 
And I believe in a God that can supersede those kind of planning meetings. And, and they help some churches and some churches want to make all that. But here's what I know. If I preach what God tells me to preach and they're surrendered to God, then the, the, these things will line up. And so I didn't tell them to pick Waymaker today. Didn't know it was going to be on there until yesterday. Maybe yesterday. But I think some people, they don't, they, they're like, well, I'm going to stay here. And what I want to encourage you today is that you don't have to stay because there's a way out. We serve a God who's a way maker, a promise keeper. I mean, he does all the things that the Bible says that he can do. He made a way out for you. Now, some of you guys here today, you've decided to stay in the pit because you thought to yourself, there's no way I'm going to be able to get out of this. And you want to know what? You are right. There's no way for you to get out of the pit apart from God. You know, I know, I know about this story. Again, I don't know how I'm going to keep on unpacking it for the next two weeks. I've already told you the very end. I'm sorry. But God knew that he was going to use Joseph. And God knew that the pit was part of the process. He knew that the prison was part of the process to get him to the palace. God knew all of that. And so God made a way for Joseph to be out. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know where you're at today. But God has not designed any of you guys to stay in the pit or to sit in the pit. But I want you to know, if you're in the pit right now, and you're probably thinking, how in the world am I going to get out of here? Here's how you're going to get out. God is with you in the pit. Because my Bible tells me that he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's with us to the very end. He was from the beginning. He's with us in the middle. And he's going to be with us in the end. God was with Joseph in the pit. God was with Joseph in prison. And God is going to be with Joseph in the palace. And God is with you right now. I'm I you to stand at your feet. We're going to sing the words of this song because you need to believe today that you can sing your way out of a pit. You can sing your way out of a pit. You can worship your way out of a pit this morning. Let's lift these words up to God this morning.
salvation. The only way out is through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, only, that's the only way. The Bible says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's only, the only way out of what you're in is through Jesus. So if you're here today or you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need Jesus today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, that our, that our, that our sin separates us from God. The Bible tells in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that God has made a way out. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commended his love for us, that even though while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loves you that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 tells that if you would confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, then you can be saved. So if you're here today online in the building and you want to trust Christ, as your Savior, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed right where you're at. Would you say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I, need a way. I need a way. You are that way, Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that I've done wrong. Today, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Please save me. Please change me. Make me new. And then say, thank you for saving me, Jesus. I needed that. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room in here today, some of you guys need to, you need to leave that. Where you're at today, it needs to resemble the, 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 the picture illustration is that you need to leave the pit today. Some of you guys right now need to confess whatever it is in your life that is, that's holding you back. Whatever that, whatever put you in the pit, maybe it was somebody else, maybe, maybe it was you. I don't know. But you need to leave that, you need to leave that here today. Maybe it's frustration. So I'm going to have uh, Chelsea just sing these words over to us that even we don't feel it, even we don't see it. I'm just going to have Chelsea sing those words over you today. And you just take a moment where you're at and would you just confess that thing in your life that you want God to take from you. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop. 
take baggage with us. Baggage not is not meant to be taken with us. Yes. When you fly on an airplane, you give them the bags, yeah. and you get on the plane, you don't have to walk around with all the junk. God, that same exact way, today we want to leave our junk at yes, the foot yes. of the cross. The unforgiveness, the bitterness, or whatever it is in our life, that relational issue, that finance, that struggle, whatever it is, we want to leave it yes. at this place, at the foot of Jesus today. Lord, would you take it from us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together today for God setting us free? Yeah. He's changing our lives. Yeah. He's taking us out of the pit. And we're going to end in a palace. And we're not going to be in a palace on this earth. We're going to be in a palace in heaven. I'm so excited. Hey, I love you guys. God bless you. You are dismissed.